This is our ultimate purpose to make disciples. Now, on the screen, I remind you, this is nothing new. We have seen this all the way through the Old Testament. You understand that? Joshua, the son of Nun, was the assistant of Moses from his youth. Moses discipled Joshua to take over his job. And he was able to do that. The prophet Elijah was told to anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, to be the prophet in your place. And Elisha arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. In Proverbs, here's what Solomon says to his sons. Hear, O sons, the father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. What happened? David gave instruction to Solomon, who's now giving instruction to his sons. This is not a new concept that we're seeing in the New Testament. This has been going all the way through history of the Old Testament. We have a job description of what we're to do. In Matthew 20 to 18 to 20, I'm going to remind you of something first. We know this as the Great Commission, correct? And something that some may say is heresy this morning, but it's not. The Great Commission is not just about evangelism. Now, evangelism is a starting point. Evangelism is where we begin. There's no doubt about that. And if you paid attention to the events of this past week and the last few weeks, does this world need Jesus Christ or doesn't it? The sin in this world is unbelievable, isn't it? What's happening? Without Christ, anything goes. But this commission has more than just evangelism as a part of it. What are we supposed to do? Here's our job description. First thing, he says, go therefore. And some of you know the Greek of this is the phrase, it's really as you are going. The assumption of the master is his disciples will go and do what he has told them to do. They'll carry out his instructions. And so the assumption is you won't just be staying in place. You won't be complacent. You will be moving. And so he's assuming they're going to go and do what he's been telling them to do. So in the process of going and being the disciples we're supposed to be, that's our first part of the job description, he says, I want you to make disciples of all nations. Notice he doesn't just say make believers. He doesn't just say get them saved and move on. This make disciples, in English it's two words, in the Greek it's one word. And it's one word for attachment. That's what a disciple was. It's somebody who got attached to his rabbi, to his teacher, in conduct and doctrine. And so here Jesus is saying, here's your job. You're supposed to do for others what you have now done. You are to attach them to me in doctrine and conduct. Make disciples. Acts 14, here's what the Apostle Paul did. 
when they had preached the gospel in that city, that's Derby, and had made many disciples. And we don't know how long he stayed there doing this. The next is going to describe some of the things they evidently did to make disciples. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, and here's what they did. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraged them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He worked at more and more attaching disciples to Christ. It was more than just giving the gospel and leave. So we're to make disciples of all nations. And then he says, do this. You're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, we're referring back to first century Israel. They understood what baptism meant. When you got baptized, it was a sign what you believed, who you were putting yourself under, who you were attaching yourself to. Gentiles who wanted to become Jews were baptized to show they identified with the Jews. And so he's reminding them here, you have to make these people, help these people you're helping, disciple, to publicly identify themselves with Christ. To be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit so everybody knows who they are identified with. He's not done, is he? Fourth option, who might I disciple? Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Turn to your right a few pages. Maturing disciples with maturing disciples. And you're saying, well, I've got to be super spiritual for this? No, remember maturing is trying to progress, trying to be what God wants us to be. So those who are interested in moving forward as disciples, discipling with others who are moving forward and wanting to be disciples. What happens? How does this work? You're in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as of the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching near, drawing near. You realize our job together as maturing believers is to disciple each other. How do we do it? He says, not by abandoning your own meetings. You have to be together. Encouraging one another. And notice what he says. Not meeting less. Meeting more. Remember Jesus spent all that time with his disciples? Disciples spent 24-7 with the rabbi. The understanding is to do this, we have to spend more time together. What a shame that is. But it's necessary. It's important. And we're not doing it. Some of you know this is where all the one another's come in in Scripture. In the New Testament with the church. You're getting an opportunity in a few minutes to do this. Do you understand that? We're going to get an extended greeting time where you can practice some of these one another's and focus particularly on a person as part of your discipling of another disciple. We're supposed to serve one another. Why should I serve in the church? Just because it's such a great thing? No, to disciple other believers. To encourage one another, not just to do it, but to do it in a way that builds one another up. 
Remember, disciples, discipleship, making disciples is to attach them more to Jesus. You understand the local church is Jesus' body. And the more we encourage one another, we attach each other more and more to his body where he's the head. This was read to you this morning. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, the loyalty we should show to one another. To honor one another. In fact, outdo one another in showing honor. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Here's one we really fall short on. Here's what Galatians 6 says. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And verse 2 tells you this is what's bearing one another burdens. That when we see other believers struggling with sin, part of making disciples is helping them get through this. We tend to think, not my problem, stay away. I don't want to get involved. If you want to make disciples, you have to get involved. This is part of what we're responsible for to each other. We're told to do good to one another, especially those of the household of faith. We're told to bear with one another, put up with one another. Why? Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We put up with one another so the body stays unified, so everybody stays attached together. That's what making disciples is. We're supposed to instruct one another. And this is not just for those who are teachers in the church. This is for all of us. Romans 15, 14, I myself is satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. This is where really what should be happening is groups of two or three or three or five should be meeting regularly to help instruct one another on how to live out the Word of God. You realize Jesus had three disciples that were an inner group that he spent more time with. Paul always had two or three guys with him. Wherever he goes, he talks about these two or three guys he might have with him. Understanding a smaller group is where a lot of this took place. Do you want to know part of my agenda? That's part of it. Because we don't do enough talking together to figure out how do we put this stuff into practice? What should we be doing with this stuff? What should we not be doing? Part of this instructing one another. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That's what we do in smaller groups. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This is part of discipling in the New Testament. How are you doing with the one another's? Are you intentionally focusing on others in this body that you can help them become better disciples by you doing some of the one another's with them? By the way, in our greeting time, you'll say, well, nobody greeted me. You're supposed to be greeting them. Go after them. Focus on somebody yourself. Don't just wait. The fifth one's also important. We won't spend much time with this. We saw this in the Old Testament. Those of us in positions of leadership should be discipling, mentoring somebody to take our place. 
That if God takes us out, somebody else can just step up into it. Or sometimes we step up while they're still here and we go on to something else. Rather than we're keeping all ministry forever, nobody's ever having it. No. Paul had Timothy and Titus to take over for him. Barnabas had Paul take over. Barnabas took Mark. Mark later will be more for ministry. In 1 Peter chapter 5, elders are told not just shepherd the flock, but to shepherd younger men who see your example and understand how to be leaders. Who should you be intentionally discipling? You need to start praying about that. Who will I focus on and live my life in an intentional way? Because we're told our job is to make disciples of all nations. Go back to John chapter 15. Some of you are sitting here thinking, I can't do this. I can't make disciples. There's no way. Well, if it was just up to you, you probably couldn't. But you understand Christ has given us provision for this. He didn't just tell his disciples to do this and not provide what they needed. Back to the, what we call the Great Commission. He provided them his authority. This is not done on the basis of our authority. It's not something we have to command somebody else to do. It's on his authority. And then he says you do it with his enablement. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. So he doesn't leave us helpless with this, does he? Secondly, you understand he's picked us for this? Look at John 15, verse 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God didn't make the choice of us without understanding. We can do this. We've talked about his disciples He didn't choose any elite teachers or trained theologians for his 12. He picked ordinary guys just like us and said, guess what? You guys can do this. You can do this because I enable you. You can also do it, John chapter 20, because I've given you a person to help you. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive The Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit to help me do this. And understand, this is something that takes patience. This is not something that happens overnight. This is not something where you make disciples in eight hours. It's not like TV shows where in 24 hours everything has changed. No. You realize Jesus spent specifically 18 months, year and a half, with his twelve. They followed for three years, but the last 18 months were specifically focused on the 12. And even then, at the end of this, here's Philip. He's telling, saying to Philip, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you still don't know me? If Jesus can be that patient with them, we can be patient with others. This is a long-term process, not a short-term process. But ultimately, how can we do this? If we just pursue what it takes to be a disciple ourselves if we pursue our calling, if we work at being the disciples the way God wants us to be it, discipleship will just come naturally. Because if you're pursuing being a disciple, you're going to want to share with somebody else. Number one, the gospel. Number two, once they get saved, you're going to want them to know what you know. 
Are you going to work at what it takes to be a disciple? Work at, as Paul says, Ephesians 4.1, and walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Do we have a job description for being a disciple? Yep. And somewhere we have to start deciding, I may have to change some things to do this. If it's something we haven't been doing, something we haven't done at all, some of you say, I have no clue how to do some of this. I will tell you right now, the fall Sunday night electives, many will be spent on giving practical concepts on how to disciple others in various areas. We'll try to give you tools to help do this, but we're not just going to let it go. It's got to be done because it was commanded us to do and to be disciples, we must make disciples of others. Let's pray. Father, your word is a challenge. We know our tendency. We just want to do what we want to do. And that's not why you saved us. That's not why you called us. That's not why we're disciples. So help us to admit that this morning. If we do nothing else this morning, help us to look at our exampleship and how we're living our lives and see if we're intentionally living the way you called us to live. But secondly, help us to start really praying for somebody to disciple. Because that's our calling. Not just to be a disciple and go along by ourselves, but to bring others with us. Change our hearts and minds. In your name, amen.